Desperate, you know, there's something something broken here. Desperately in need of um, need of uh, of new prophets, new uh, prophets. We're not going to be we're not going to be changing the world without uh, without being mystics, prophets, and saints these days. Amen. You know, go out and go out into the deep. Go out into the deep was always a something or a thought that you do do out there, but go out into the deep is actually in here. Go out into the deep. The great discovery, the great sort of Antarctic, Arctic discovery is the inner man. And, um, and uh, that journey, that journey needs some um, prophets to lead people into. Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are power for impact. Welcome back, everybody. My name is Ron Huntley, and welcome to the Leadership Podcast. I love having these conversations. It helps us really to engage in what God is calling us to. There's all kinds of different topics we can delve into, all kinds of different ways we can approach the church and the call that God has in our lives, or if you're a businessman, how you run your business or a business lady. Today, we're going to talk about men's ministry specifically. I'm really excited to have our guest today, Robert Falzone, who's the founder of Man Alive, a men's ministry that takes place in Australia. Uh, We met a number of years ago, and as soon as I met him, I thought, I have to get to know this guy. Found him incredibly inspiring. I'm so glad he's on this podcast today so we can really break open men's ministry. Because I think if we get men's ministry right, if we get men's hearts right, if we get men oriented to the love of Christ in a real significant and committed way, man, that can make a difference. And so, Robert, welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Ron. Great to be with you, or uh, your listeners and, and your viewers. And, uh, such a joy, such a joy. I was so excited to spend some minutes with you, and uh, it's such a gift to me. Thank you. Oh, you're most welcome. Uh, I'd love to ask you a little bit about Man Alive. I'd love to for our listeners just to put some perspective on our conversation and and maybe frame it up within the ministry that, that, that you've started. Like, where did that, when did that start? How did that start, and, and how did God really call you in the direction of, of men's ministry? Yeah, so Men Alive started in 2003. It's 20 years old this year. Um, it's a uh, volunteer. Nobody gets paid. Uh, so that takes a lot of complexity out of ministry. Um, and uh, when I was 17, I, I was co- coerced by my mother to go to a Redemptress Father's Parish Mission and I sat in the back row with my friend, Italian friend Charlie, and um, and uh, this young priest preached his heart out. Damn. Um, and and the thing that was, and I, I re- re- reflect on it many times, and when I look back, the thing that he did was he told a story about his encounter with Jesus. And I've yeah. never heard that happen. I've never heard anybody do that at church before. And he convinced me, that he knew Jesus and he saw Jesus and his life was changed because of Jesus. And I thought, well, I'm going to go and find out about this because this guy is convincing, he's compelling. 
And um, I'd never heard a priest at that age, seven, when I was 17. And I mm-hmm. decided, he was a redemptorist father, and I decided, okay, I believe you. I'm going to go and become a redemptorist father. And I'm going to do what you do. I'm going to preach like you did. And um, I, didn't have, I didn't have a vocation for the priesthood because I'm, I'm married with uh, four, four adult children, and one of them's becoming Beautiful. a priest this year. Um, oh, go away. Congratulations. My son Isaac is going to be ordained on June the 29th, which is the feast of St. Peter and Paul. And I'm so, I'm so joyful about that. Um, but then fast forward, fast forward uh, nearly, uh, nearly 20 years. Uh, I got into business. I made money. I had companies and, um, and I lost my way a little bit. And the dream sort of dream sort of got lost. And uh, I went to a uh, large conference in the United States, uh, leadership conference. And um, the preacher at, at the conference, there's about 20,000 people there, and he, uh, he, he I, I, fe- I, fe- I thought he was talking directly to me. And he said, are you going to give your life for dollars or are you going to give it for destinies? And that, that just cut me to the heart. And I, and I, and I said to the Lord that day, I, I knelt on the, on the ground next to my bed in my little motel room in Chicago and um, and uh, I gave I gave my life to Jesus. I said, I'm going home to start a men's ministry. Now who who knew what a men's ministry was and why why a men's men ministry? So um and um, I, I wish my earphones falling out. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> and and, uh, and I did. I came back and I didn't know what to do, but I thought I'll just run a conference and Maybe some guys on conference. Come on. Yeah. A and, conference. Uh, <laughs> you start with a conference. I love it. Yeah, yeah, of all things. Yeah, and, and and we had we had so many people come to this conference that I had no idea. We had no idea what we were doing. We had no idea what 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 the need was, and um, and uh, not long after that, I was sitting in church with my family, and this question this question is usually a question, isn't it, Ron? All the great leadership things happen with a question first, and then and then then a response. And um, uh, I was in church, and I was looking around, and my kids were climbing over the over the pews and annoying the old ladies in front of front of us. And and Father's homily was 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 not very compelling. And, and I was just pulling my hair out, thinking, "What are we doing?" You know, and and this voice this voice inside of me. It, it holy discontent inside of me really yeah, right. us. Um, where are all the men? There was lots of grey-headed women, lots of women in the church, uh, but there wasn't many men. So I started to do a research project. I started studying how many men were going to mass and how many men were at church and and and, and how many women and why and what the numbers were significantly different. And I said, uh, I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to give my life to this. So I sold my sure. business, and much to uh, the, 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 you know, like my wife would say, "You sure this is the right thing to do here?" <laughs> <laughs> it's not, not another, another one of those crazy Robert ideas. And um, um, and I started, I started doing ministry, and I thought uh-huh. to myself, I could do conferences once a year. Uh-huh. It might move some men 
or I could do something in the parish where where the people live. The people of the people live in the parish or the the local church, as mm-hmm. as we could call it now. And um, I thought, no, I'm going to do something about the local church. And huh. I started running, started writing and running parish missions or local church missions for men. And, uh, and, and, and you know, like church is set up for women. It's set up for women. What, do you, what do you mean? Nice flowers on the altars and nice lace, lace, lace cloths and fathers dressed in a dress and and the language is feminine and gentle, and there's no challenge <laughs> and no adventure and and no 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 possible way that you could give your life for something. Uh-huh. And, and I thought, come on, come on, let's do this. Amen, and, brother. And, and the fight, the 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 men men respond to that, and uh-huh. I want to give my life for something. I want to throw myself uh-huh. on a, on the hand grenade and take take that. Take the take okay. take the water to pers- make it personal, and um, you know the data is compelling. the The largest demographic in 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 church is women, and mostly uh-huh. women, 50, 50 and over, and, and men uh-huh. are men are missing in action, really. So I thought if you could reach the man, you'd reach the marriage. And if you could reach the marriage, you'd reach the family. And if you reach the family, you would reach the church, at least the local church. So um, in 20 years, we have done 350 parish missions and we've reached 50,000 men in Australia. Now, numbers numbers make things sound really great. It, it hasn't been mm-hmm. all fantastic, you know, but we're, um, we, we have really tried to tried to do this and bishops of Australia, you know, as soon as the God bless God bless the bishops, as soon as you as soon as you get liked by liked by the church, it seems to diminish your power. But um um uh we we are we are trying trying to stay um evangelical uh, in the sense that in the sense that our our primary objective is not catechesis. It's encounter with Jesus. Mm. Catechesis. Mm. No, you, you do have to have some catechesis because you have to teach people yep. stuff. <clears throat> but mm-hmm. our um, our objective <clears throat> is is the person of Jesus. How do you meet Jesus? How do you let him into his heart? And um, yeah, so that's 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 a sort of the beginning answer to your question. And if you give me a chance, I could talk forever and ever and ever. But um, oh, that's good because I could listen for a long time too. And you're talking, just for the record, just like when you were 17 listening to that redemptorist priest <laughs> preach the truth. <laughs> that's how I feel when you speak. That's how I felt when I met you the first time in Australia. Um, there's a few things I just want to pick up on, if I could. A couple of things I'm laughing my head off, like hard not to physically laugh out loud when you're telling me, you know, I answered that call and the first thing you did was was did a conference, which I laugh at that. I smile at that, not because it wasn't the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do, but that's the 
Like there's a man who has capacity to influence and impact. Like the, we're not all created the same in terms of our ability for impact. And the very fact that you didn't think, hey, I'm just going to go in my neighborhood, walk up and down the streets and pray for people, which is a, if that's your call, then do it. And then maybe somebody will walk their dog and I'll speak to one man and maybe we could pray together. There's nothing wrong with that. If that's your call, for heaven's sakes, do whatever God's calling you to do. But literally your first place was a conference and that that I rejoice and that tells me that you have the you have the capacity for apostolic um, ministry. Like you're called to make a difference. You're called to create partnerships. Like you good luck you not trying to do that. And I think about the the men out there that do own their own businesses and that are, you know, kicking butt and taking names in the business world and then they get involved in church, maybe or maybe they don't they don't ask enough of them. Like these men have literally have the capacity to do something ginormous. And we asked them if they could take up the collection. It's <laughs> like, well, yeah, they could take out the collection, but do you have any idea who you have in front of you? Like, do you have any idea if you partnered with those men of capacity, what, what influence and impact a local church could have? And it's like, we, it's like, it just lays dormant. It's like, we get all these giants in the pews and we're not using them. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, and uh, and our great our great priests who give a, give their life for this. They give their mm-hmm. life for the local church. They give their life for parishes. That uh, they they, God God bless them. They're not trained for purpose. But they're not trained to purpose, and and uh, they 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 are they're, they're trained beautifully in the in the in the mystery of the church. Yeah, and leading people, you know, they're not trained in finance, yet they have to sit at the head of the finance committee. They're not trained in leading people, but yet they have to sit at the parish council and be the leader. And um, and there's guys there's guys in the in the church right multi-million dollar businesses who could do the finance 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 council on the back of an envelope and kill it that, yeah. and and um all the power that potency that sits in the local church is not getting as you as as, as you know in, in in the dr world is not getting you know, getting to be effective uh-huh. there are lots of lay people prepared to do almost anything if, if they were given a chance. Uh, it's hard. Like, I, it's so hard. Like, it's funny. This happens at every level, and it, and it baffles me. It's it's certainly our human experience, and there are tons of scriptures that speak to this. It's the mystery of this human experience we have. Is, you know, I, I think there are two instances in scripture where people were given a new language. Just this outpouring of new language. Babylon are uh, the Tower of Babel and Pentecost, and one brought division and one brought unity. And I can't help yeah. but feel like we're living in this age of the Tower of Babylon. And, you know, I, I often talk to parishioners and, and they're like, yeah, well, my pastor just doesn't get it. He doesn't want it. And I'll talk to priests and they'll say, yeah, I want it, but the people are just apathetic. They're too busy and they don't want to get involved. And then you talk to bishops and they say, yeah, I want it, but my priests don't want it. And you talk to priests and they say, yeah, we want it, but our bishop doesn't want it. It's like, Wow, are we ever talking in circles? Like, <laughs> I just get a sense that deep yeah. in our hearts, we all want it, but we don't necessarily know how to get from here to there. 
Because to yeah. your point, I think some of the training, as beautiful as it is, and probably as necessary as it is, I'm not saying it's not necessary, but it's it's deficient. And I think there's never been a season where that's not more obvious than now because culture has shifted so fast. It's hard. Yeah. Hard. Yeah. What's your heart? Hard. What's your heart for the clergy who are, who are duking it out in a, in a post-Christian culture, watching yeah. the church, you know, watching people, you know, thank goodness for immigration in most, you know, North yeah. American or first world countries, because it's the, it's the immigrants that are going to church. It's not the locals. They, they're falling away in droves. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's so true. Yeah. I like, um, I, I take one step back and I'll then I answer your question if you don't mind. Please. Um, so when we, uh, the predominant thing that we do is we go into parishes. Uh -huh. We do run a national conference every year. We do uh, we do a whole variety of other things, but we, the predominant thing we do is we we do parish missions, and and um, our, our parish missions our parish missions are mostly the the content is mostly narrative. It's mostly testimonial. Um, and 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 the narrative was the method that Jesus used storytelling storytelling about your own life and storytelling about the gospel in your own life and right. when we do these parish missions some of these guys that come their eyes open and they go what you mean you mean we can we could preach or teach at least i yeah. said well only out of your own story if you've met jesus you've got something to say amen and um and uh, if you've if you've consumed the word of God, you've got words of God to speak. <laughs> Amen. Um, and some of these guys go, "Well, pick me. I want to join." So we have we we have these guys all over Australia, and um, they're not they're not theologians, but they met Jesus, and they have a story to tell, you know. And some of the stories are dramatic. Some of the stories are dramatic. Um, so what happens? What happens is is that that a few missionaries go amongst the people, mostly the local church, including the parish priest, and right. these people and these people, they go, I want to do this too. So so they 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 become disciples on a weekend, and then over time they become missionary disciples, and, and this language is not unfamiliar to you. Um. And uh, we we train these local teams, local teams, to to do these parish missions, and um, under the authority of the bishops and 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 all the kosher things that needs to happen. Um, yes. So, one of the things that we we have as an objective now is when we go into the parishes, we say to Father, Hey, can we stay in the in the presbytery with you? The objective of that is is that we spend a bit of time with Father and encourage him and try and pour life into him and try and, and say, hey, this this thing that you dreamed about when you went to the seminary is not a lie. It's true. You can't do this thing. Amen. And um and, and you know, like it, it it's it 
it is mind-blowing to me that we don't train our priests to preach in the seminary. Most of I the know. seminaries, preaching is not a primary objective. And 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 where 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 in the in the in the the weekend liturgies is that opportunity for the priest to bring his personality to is Amen. into the preaching. And so we started uh, we started in conjunction with with a university here in, in Australia, the the school of preaching, and 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 then the seminary started to invite us into the seminaries to do intensives in the seminaries about um, about manhood and preaching and and how how the priest could actually preach through his person personality not just exegesis not just exegesis but um he's he's breaking open of his own life before in the context of breaking open the word so uh the thing that we've discovered about our priests is that they're men they're, they're not a. They're not another type of. Did you do a study to figure that out? <laughs> yeah, you've got a degree to work that one out. Anyway, that's a long story to answer your question. That's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. And what are some? Like, I, I want to kind of double back to a couple of things. One of them is, you know, as you've been doing these, I, I love that you know this national conference. Love it. Bend to them. I think we need to be taking in conferences every year. Conferences feed us, especially if we take a whack of people from our church. It's a road trip, uh, develops friendships. It's nice to unplug and get out of the daily grind. And it's just incredible yeah. what happens when we just mix it up. We get to a different place, a different space, eat different food, sleep in a different bed, shower in a different shower, you know, have a different tasting beer after the evening's over. Like, I just find it refreshing. And so I love that you do that. But I also really appreciate your focus on the local church, because I just I still think the local church is the hope of the world, and it's God's main instrument of grace and love and healing. And I, I just I love the local church, and so I just I appreciate that. And you're saying by doing some of these missions, it's having an impact in some of the stories of changed lives, some of the stories of men stepping up and saying, "I want to do that too." I wonder if you if you have a, a story or two that that comes to the top of the mind and you think, oh gosh, you know, I love this example of a man who, this is where he was, this is what happened, here's what he's doing now. Can you, because I just never get tired of those. Would you share one with me? Yeah, well, there's a there's a guy on that, on the Sydney team. Um, he He's a truck driver uh -huh. and he owns a fleet of trucks. And um, he came to our weekend <clears throat> Um you often don't know the real story that's going on. Sometimes so in the small groups it comes out. <clears throat> and he, um, he stood up at the end and he said, um, my wife told me that if I, if I don't come back a different man, don't come back at all. And, uh, and he stood up at, at, in the testimony time and uh, he had his mobile phone and he says, um, uh, I'm going to ring her. And he, he rang her in front of all the guys and said, <laughs> I, 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 just, I just want to tell you that 
I have not been a great husband. And we can sort the details out, but I want to say to you today, in, in front of my brothers here, that I'm committing myself to being a better man and a better father and absolutely a better husband. I love you and I'm coming home to be your husband. And that, Stuart, Stuart's his name. And he's the, he's a champion guy. He's on team. He's on team now. And um, just one more story. One more story. These one of these guys. Uh, he he said uh, he played he played uh, uh, from his phone through the system a little video, and he said, "See this guy here. This guy's standing on a bridge, and he's um he's about to jump off the bridge because his life has got no meaning, and he's." burnt his marriage down and he's burnt his children and he's just his life his, his life is a mess and he's about to jump off the bridge in Sydney and that man is me that's what he said that man is me and here's the video is the video showing the so bridge. this isn't figuratively speaking that was no, literally him on the video he, he, he came to the conference Came to the conference, literally from the bridge to the conference, and told his story. And uh, he he uh, he just turned his life around. His life was turned around. His life, his his name his name is Stephen. Uh, he turned his life around. Um, but you know, you 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 know these stories. You you've run conferences and you've seen people turn their their lives turned around and. And that's the power of God, the power of God in people's lives, because because God's God's nature is the same, isn't it? Amen. God's nature is the same, and um, and God's nature is to is to is to God the Father's nature is to send His only begotten Son for each of us, not just for the whole world, but for each uh -huh. of us personally, right? And uh, and when we open our our hearts and our churches to that, the beloved Son paid the price. Everybody has a chance to be saved. Mm. As there's, there's so many stories. Um, we Beautiful. we've spent we've spent a lot of time in recent years. Sorry, I'm. I'm rambling no no please you no no around. you're not in, in recent years working in the area working with it in the area of fatherhood because yeah. it's the nature of god isn't it the nature of god is father and and we we have a program called raising fathers that yeah. we are trying to trying to elevate the importance of, of fatherhood uh, I, I i even wrote a little book about it if I could advertise it, thank How you. See, it's not, not there. There it is, raising fathers. There it is. Awesome. And it's um, it's um, it's really important, isn't it? We we really need to have, you know, like one of the greatest wounds in a man's life is a father wound, of one kind or one kind or another. My dad was a good man, but I I I went into the world a wounded, a wounded. Uh, person and uh, most of us probably did anyway 
I'm, I'll stop uh, for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought that. Can that be found on Amazon? Is that Amazon.au? Yeah, Amazon. or... Raising Fathers. Yeah, Raising Fathers. So I just encourage Other our listeners from, viewers to get that. Bible. Well, you know, I'm going through uh, our CIA right now um, as a sponsor. And the amount of people, it's just so fun to listen to people's stories. Like I find you can go to church and not know people's stories. You can know their smile, you can know their handshake, <laughs> but you don't know their story. And I find that when we don't know people's stories, we're at a deficit. People's stories often change me. You sharing those two stories changes me. You sharing your story of being 17 and your mom making you go on that retreat changes me. Like when I know somebody's story, I'm a better person, I'm more complete. And going through our CIA right now as a sponsor, I get to hear people's stories. And one young girl sat beside me, and uh, I'm thinking, she's really young. She's in her 20s. And so I said, hey, my name is Ron. Like, what's your name? And she told me. I said, what brought you here? And she said, well, um, I'm in university. Um, my mother's Muslim. And my dad's Catholic, and I was baptized Catholic, but we didn't practice our faith. And my mother and I finally got out of a very traumatic situation, so I can only guess dad was abusive. Um, and I'm trying to put my life together again. And in doing so, I said to mom, well, I'm baptized Catholic. Maybe I should check out this Catholic thing would you come with me? And his, her mom said, of course I will. And so they found a church to go to. It happened to be St. Benedict. And they went to Mass together and they sat down. And when the priest spoke the homily, it, she said it was like he was literally sitting in the room with my mom and I while I was pouring out my heart with her yesterday. And we were wrestling with all the things we were wrestling with. Every word he said spoke exactly into what we were dealing with. And I knew God was real. And so as soon as I knew God was real, I, I decided I need to go all in. And so here's this 20-year-old girl broken badly by her, you know, but it sounds like what she didn't get from her dad. But that wasn't the only story of a dad's woundedness and brokenness. Another dad took his own life. Uh, and this was a mom with three kids, and she still needed a dad in her life, even though she was grown up, and, and he took his own life. And she just talked about the pain and, and so manhood is worth getting right. It's worth getting really right. And so I'm going to buy that book and I'm going to read every word of it and I'm going to have you back on again and we're going to talk about your book, Robert. That's that's an exciting book to read. And so we're going to do this again for sure, okay? Yeah, for sure. Prom- you, you got to promise me it's just, it's so important. Um, I... I <laughs> You know, there's yeah. something something about this fatherhood thing. If, if, if you were the devil, if you were the devil, when well, I know you're not, but if you were the devil, <clears throat> and, and your your strategy would, would have to be undermining the power of fatherhood because it's the mm. nature of God. If I can take the nature of God out of society, then I'm going to win the war. Um hmm. You know, you know all these young men. You know all these. You know all these people in the United States that 
that go into Walmart, get these automatic rifles, go to schools and start killing people. And that's a pandemic in the United States, right? Uh-huh. It's COVID. And uh-huh. um, they've done some studies on these people. And there are, there are two things that, that are consistent across all of these people. Most of them are young males. Most of them. And most of these young males come from broken, dysfunctional, fatherless homes. Abusive, alcoholic, absent, anonymous, angry, addicted dads. Somebody said once, if you don't father your young men, they'll burn down society. That's what's happening there. And and in, and, and in Australia, in Australia, they can't get guns, but what they can get is motor cars. So they get in the motor cars, fill them up with their young friends, and they drive around, kill people on the on the footpath, and blow their cars up and kill everybody in the cars. Uh, all males, all come from the same problem: fatherless fatherlessness is, is a pan, pandemic in society. And um, you can't believe in God if your dad, if your dad abused you, or if your dad was absent or alcoholic or addicted or angry or violent or whatever dad dad was, you can't uh, say fatherhood of God to them because the fatherhood doesn't mean anything right. So yeah, a slap in the face maybe even. Yeah, maybe even. Yeah. Not even benign, is it? It's it's an attack. And then father stands up in the pulpit on Sunday and that's father. <laughs> and um, a lot of people go, well, I'm going to be careful here. <laughs> Right. It's 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 a, it's a really important part of the puzzle. The puzzle I know that um, I know that uh, one of the Canadians that speaks into this to some degree or is trying to certainly a polarizing figure not only in Canada but probably in a lot of other parts of the world is Jordan Peterson and yeah uh, I what you're talking about. Him. Yeah, it sounds to me like he's really trying to, you know, talk talk about a human experience, but it seems to be one that men are desperate to hear is take responsibility for your life, get yeah. house in order, you know, find purpose and meaning beyond your beyond pleasure, and uh, and find purpose and you know, and lo and behold, most of his following, or not most of it, well, yeah, most of it is men, and it's young men, yeah. just needing to hear that person speak truth into them and not let them off the hook for any reason you know and uh yeah so it's it's i I, again appreciate your ministry helping these men and you too or you know god called you out of being a successful businessman to laying down your life for a cause bigger than yourself and you said yes and 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 now it sounds like to me robert you're helping other people do the exact same thing. You mentioned earlier that you know if you you get get a man, you get his uh, marriage. And if you get the marriage, you get the family. If you get the family, you get the parish, right? Is that is that was that what you were? Yep. Yeah, I just thought that was just so beautiful. Why do you say that? What evidence would you suggest that that could be true? Yeah. So um. 
I guess when you look around the local church on any weekend, uh, you, you'll see a lot more women there than men. Right. And, uh, and a lot of women, women there with their kids, but no dad. Um, dad's, dad's tapped out of church. He said, you know, it's a waste of time. And then, and, you know, some guys say to me, I've never heard anything in church that's helped me with my life. But don't tell me how to keep my marriage together. If you if you speak to a thirty-five to a forty-five year old male and if he's vulnerable enough and you say to him, What are the big, big rocks in your life? You'll say, uh-huh. How do I keep my marriage together? I've mm-hmm. no idea what this woman needs to be loved and how to love her. I have no idea. Uh, these kids, they're disobedient they they don't know, don't listen to me anymore and um I've got nothing that I, I don't know how to give them what they want. And, uh, and uh, you know, I spend money on them, but they're not happy. Yeah. And and I'm not happy. I'm, I'm really unhappy. But I, I don't even know what what my life's about. I get up, I go to work, I come home, I fight with my wife, the kids who really, my life is a, my life is not worth anything. Suicide is the major killer of those guys. As 30, 35 to 45, we were all just suicide, the major killer. So, you know, there's something, something broken here, desperately in need of, um, need of, uh, of new prophets, new yeah. prophets. We're not going to be, we're not going to be changing the world without, uh, without being mystics, prophets, and saints these days. Amen. You know, go out, go out into the deep. Go out into the deep was always a something or a thought that when you do do out there, but go out into the deep is actually in here. Go out into the deep. The great discovery, the great sort of Antarctic Arctic discovery is the inner man. And um and uh, that journey that journey needs some um, prophets to lead people into. When you say that, Robert, it just I think to myself, how we define the problem often can be the problem. And it's so easy sometimes to blame it on everybody else, isn't it? It's my wife's fault. It's my kid's fault. It's my boss's fault. It's the bank's fault. It's the interest rate's fault. It's the politician's fault. It's like everybody else's fault. And, and me, well, life would be good if, if, just I did, if all these other problems would just fall into line. And I see that in leaders sometimes too, like, they look at their congregation and not on purpose because we all, we can all fall to this, you know, well, people are too busy. Well, they're not interested. They don't care. Like we can tell ourselves a story and define the problem as everybody but me. Yeah. And when that's the case, we're, we're never going to solve the problem because we can't solve other people. But what the invitation I think is exactly what you've said. Like, what if, what if your journey with Jesus took you to a place that transformed you? I bet you you'd have a bigger impact on what you used to perceive as the problem. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I love that you're, you know, one of the things that I hear that you're doing through Man Alive, Robert, is that you're going in, you're putting on a national conference, but then you're also 
doing parish missions and then from there you're calling people who feel called and interested onto team and you're raising them up you're discipling them and then you're missioning them to go and do the same thing and 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 you know as a young boy you said i'm going to be a redemptive preacher because i want to do what you do and yet you realized you weren't called to the vocation of of holy orders you were called to marriage and it's like, does that dream die then? Does that call die then? And the answer is it doesn't have to. And you're a living example of that. And I know in my time at St. Benedict Parish, when Father James and I were leading, one of my biggest priorities was to help people, help create platforms for people to speak, to tell their narrative, to tell their story, to breathe their faith story into their parenthood, into their job, into changes in their life, into a hardship, into loss, into hope over and over again through connect groups. And connect groups were where were, were Alpha alumni went to connect and grow. And if you didn't want to grow, then don't join a connect group because it's not there for you to be passive. And so if you want to be passive, go do something else. But yeah. if you're going to be useful, then you need to learn how to speak. And I know that that's the world's number one fear. But if you do it in a safe place and you learn to tell your story, you grow in confidence, you grow in faith, you grow in impact, you grow in power, you grow in empowerment. I think it's part of what it looks like to be useful. And one of my things that I'll often say is there's a lot of faithful but borderline, and, and I know people are going to take this the wrong way, but take it as you will, but borderline useless in terms of having impact for the kingdom of God. And we don't have to be that way. Like the fruit of our faith should be impact, should be incredible usefulness and utility in the hands of God and the Holy Spirit. Like, I don't see how you could go to church and not be wildly useful if you're doing church right. What are your thoughts on that? Wow. Keep going. You're evangelizing me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gosh, I, I could, I could, um, Right. Go for another hour with you on this one. Um, <laughs> or, um, yeah. Look, I, I, Always. I, 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 one of the one of the things about the the, the local churches is that its respon its responsibility is to um, in its first in its first action is to welcome. And um, my people feel like they're valued, amen, and they're loved. <clears throat> how do you how do you love people? Well, that uh, one of the things one of the things that I feel loved by is when somebody remembers my name. I turn up at mass, and Father remembers. Oh, hello, Robert. He's made he's made the effort, made the effort to remember uh, my name. Maybe even write it in his little book. That's that Robert. Yeah. I want to talk to him one day. You know. Um, yeah. I want to. I want. I want. I want to give him something, but he's going to give me something. So this is the beginning. This is the beginning of being a table. You know, you shared something. Uh, and I know the DR the DR model has uh, these. The DR and Alpha model has these three major pillars 
welcome, worship, and word. <clears throat> yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like you 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 nailed it, and I I don't have I don't have much more to say about what you are asking other than uh, this. There's some things that 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 you you know, and I know you know, and you know I know that these things we could work really hard on. Yeah, and, and they're just beautiful, beautiful things. This is what Jesus did. Yeah, brother, your 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 ministry, man alive, and the impact that God desires to have through your yes, because that's what I see so powerfully. Like He captured your heart and your imagination when that preacher preached into you, and then that made a difference in you, despite getting lost in business and and whatever that would have looked like in that time in your life. That's not an uncommon story. That story has redemption, it has hope, it has turnaround, it has resurrection, and you're a living example of it. Thanks, and you some people, right? And some people are going to be called to sell their businesses. Some people are going to be called to restore their marriages. Some people are going to be called to reclaim their fatherhood. Whatever it is, there's not one way, but there is one person. Hey? Preach it. Yeah. And you guys are doing incredible work. How would people, like if people are listening, and I'm sure they're saying, how do, Man Alive, let me get on. Is it manalive.com? Or how do they get in touch with the movement of Man Alive to learn more and so on? Yeah, they go, just go to manalive, M-E-N-A-L-I-V-E, dot org, dot A-U. Beautiful. So I just really encourage all of you that are listening and watching to, to look them up, to be inspired. If God's calling you to men's ministry in your local parish, then answer the call. Like, answer the call. Throw a national conference, just like Rock did. <laughs> yeah. might, you might not be called to that. If you are, do it. But if not, do whatever you're being called to. Because... Just do something. Just do one thing. Yeah. Don't, don't do the thing. Don't do the thing that you're... you're, you're... Your interiority is telling you. Interiority was telling you, oh, I can't do it. So I'm never going to make any difference in this. Uh, just do something. Just do uh, something. The greatest, the greatest thing that we can do, uh, and this is, this is something that you know deeply, the greatest thing that we can do is work on ourselves. Uh, present, present our true self to God and see what he does. He, he's, uh, he's very capable, very capable of taking taking a bit of stale bread and turning it into food for thousands. And the stinky fish of my life, food for thousands. Just offer Not yourself. something to be a get, get on Get on your knees beside your bed like I did in that motel in Chicago and say, my earpugs, and say to the Lord, take me, do whatever you want with me. Uh, I'm not much. And he can uh, feed thousands. Yeah, and so if you're listening, that's my story too. I was by myself. I made a deal with God. I had a conversation and a real conversation and I offered myself up that I'll give you a chance, Lord. 
John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. And although I had a lot of good things going on in my life, I somehow I, I just felt like there was more. I didn't know what it would be. I didn't know what it would look like, but I didn't want to leave this world leaving any life on the table. If there is life to be lived, I want it all. I can see and that. I, thought, in you. I love that. <laughs> I love that about you. <laughs> and so I thought, well, how can I expect God to live up to his promise if I've never even given him a chance? I mean, I go to church, but any monkey can go to church. It's have I gone all in? And it was in the going all in that life became even more full. And that was instantaneous. That wasn't because I made him a deal for a year if he didn't. If he didn't give me life and life to the full in a year, then I was going to quit because I was tired of being a hypocrite. I was anything to do with him. I was tired of being a hypocrite because if I was honest, I was. And if I'm honest, I probably still am in some ways and some days, and God calls me out on that. But, but it was instantaneous, the grace that followed that surrender. And you don't have to be Catholic. You don't have to be Christian. You don't have to be going to church. Yeah. You don't have to be overly religious. You have to be honest and maybe acknowledge that you're not God. And what if, what if you got somebody in your corner? What if you have a father who loves you, who wants to father you like, he, like you know you're being called to father? Like, what if? And have a conversation with that guy. And then reach out. Like, gosh, reach out to, to Robert or your local church or a good friend and who wants what's best for you and, and start to live in a life that, that's, that has purpose and meaning. Yeah. You're the best man. <laughs> Appreciate you so much. I, you know, thinking about that man that came from the bridge to your conference or a truck driver's marriage was absolutely in a shambles. That is the story of most men at those age groups. And so brothers were talking to you. One final word of encouragement to them as we close up, Robert, what would you say to them if they're feeling that? Don't believe the lie. You are beloved, you're a beloved son. You are deeply loved by somebody that you don't know yet. And you are worth more than many sparrows. Your life is a gift to many. Don't diminish it by believing the lies. You are deeply, fully, intensely loved. Best news ever. Good news. Robert, thank you so much again for your ministry, and, and thank you for being on the show today. I can't wait to get your book and have you back on the show. Thanks, Ron. You're a great man doing a great job. Love I you appreciate lot. that. Love you too, brother. And I love you guys that are listening and tuning in. Thank you for, I don't know, going on this journey for having these real conversations. I hope today's podcast maybe is one that you can share with your brother, your uncle, your father, your priest. And maybe as men, we can sit down, have real conversations, support people, support each other in ways that we need support because uh, you matter. And so thank you so much for all you do. Please leave a comment, ask a question, um, favorite, subscribe, whatever that can help you reconnect or connect in ways that we can continue this conversation. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for your leadership and God bless you all. I want to encourage you as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time. And remember, 
you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.